Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, April the 27th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, the fourth Sunday of Easter, and on the Thursday of the week we'll take a look at the New Testament letter passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary, and this week of the church's calendar year, and so we find ourselves back in the book of 1 Peter, where we've been for the past couple of weeks. So today we have 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 25, so let me read that passage provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. First Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 25. Now, it is commendable if, because of one man's understanding of God, Someone should endure pain through suffering unjustly. But what praise comes from enduring patiently when you have sinned or, or, or are beaten for it? But if you endure steadfastly when you've done good and suffer for it, this is commendable before God. You were called to this kind of endurance because Christ suffered on your behalf. He left you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, nor did he ever speak in ways meant to deceive. When he was insulted, he did not reply with insults. When he suffered, he did not threaten revenge. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He carried in his own body on the cross the sins we committed. He did this so that we might live in righteousness, have nothing to do with sin. By his wounds, you were healed. Though you, were like sheep straying, though you were like straying sheep, you now have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your lives. This is the word of God for us. One of the, we might call it laws, we just call it maybe a pattern of reality in our universe is that for something to flourish, something has to pass away. There seems to be this connection between the two, right? So for instance, when new life comes uh, through a mother into the world, it comes at a cost. Like there's just a lot of pain and hardship involved in delivering new life into the world. Um, In order to provide for food for many people in this world, like things have to come to life, either plants or animals. Those things have to die in order for life to continue on. And so there's, there's this connection between a laying down of something in order for something be rescued or something to be sustained. And so we shouldn't be surprised that this pattern is in the midst of salvation's algebra. Now, how that works out, there's a variance of spectrum of thought upon, you know, different perspectives about it. But here we have Peter trying to tie together the current plight of the churches that he's writing to with the, the meta-narrative, the big story of Jesus, right? Because who who wouldn't be discouraged if you felt like you were suffering for a, a meaningless thing, right? Like if it was a suffering for suffering's sake, that can't sustain for very long. And either there'd be bitterness or there'd be great despair and uh, you wouldn't want to endure. You wouldn't want to continue to give yourself to worthy and good causes uh, because that suffering seems to be um, absurd. It doesn't seem to be attached to something that's uh, praiseworthy or something that's altogether good, right? And so Peter's saying, hey, like you're suffering now. Um, you're not doing anything wrong for your suffering. Um, and I think that he makes a distinction in the first couple of verses here. Like if you suffer because you make mistakes, well, that's one thing and it's not very commendable. But it is commendable if somebody donates their life 
and results in suffering for something that's truly good, right? You think about uh, sports teams who believe that if their team continues to work hard between games, uh, longer practices, more study time, more film time, that's going to yield a great result and that they're going to be able to share in the spoils of victory together at the end. Like that's, that's where commitment lies, right? Like commit to this team, spend the extra hours, go the extra effort, right? Same thing with parenting, same thing with the workplace. It's also the same in the life of the church. Um, we, there, something has to be established. We have to believe in the greater vision that God has for the cosmos, right? If we don't, then uh, these like, you know, sharper and harder edges of Christianity and Christian behavior begin to lose its utility. We don't want to do them any longer because we don't ultimately think they're adding up to something. But if they're adding up to something, then we can continue to donate our lives knowing that we're not wasting our life, but it's actually a praiseworthy and commendable thing. I like the way that Interrate talks about this. He wrote a book called Surprised by Hope, and he has a video series that's attached to it. And so the image is in both the video series, but also the book. He talks about the big, great big cathedrals in Europe, and if you've been there and you've gone on like some sort of a cathedral tour, you can understand like just the veracity of those structures, and to understand that these things were built before modern technology, uh, before big cranes can be hauled in and stuff. Like it's actually quite praiseworthy, maybe even otherworldly, to think that for you know a hundred years, two hundred years, um, a group of people in one civilization continue to like give generation after generation of stone workers and other builders to the cause of this great building. And it was under the premise of you're working on this building and you may not see its completion before you die. Like if, if you didn't believe in what that structure meant or what it was going to afford for future generations, you'd have a hard time showing up day after day, even if you had a pretty good working salary, right? But if you had a bigger vision in mind, then you show up to work and you've got this great delight in your work. He says, imagine uh, someone working on a piece of stone and you've got the plans in front of you and you know how it's supposed to be shaped and you know the ridges and contours that the master builder, the, the architect wants to, to for you to grind into that stone in order to give it this neat look that they're all going for. And you're working on that stone. That's all that's in your purview is your stone. It's the only thing that you can focus on. You can't focus on anything else. And you say to yourself, what's all this work and this meticulous care worth? But if you could see where it's going to be placed next to the other stones, and you're relying on the work of other people working on stones right next to you. And if you could see like not just the column that you're working on, but also the great big structure, the side of the building that it's going to be on, and then the great big structure of the whole building and whole, like that's when you begin to say, this work that I'm doing today, this next notch of the chisel is actually worth it. And I think that's what Peter's trying to do here. He's trying to say, yes, we're suffering today. And it's it's ghastly. And it's nothing to trivialize. Like, this is real suffering. Like, the, And this is over some, like, really significant things. But we don't suffer alone. Uh, Christ suffered on our behalf in order to, to achieve salvation for all of us and for the rest of the world. Therefore, when we enter into the suffering in his name, in a mysterious way, in a mystery, like a sac- you know, maybe a sacramental way, we could say, that we're entering into the very life of the Messiah, right? And that applies to everything about Jesus's business, right? Like the pain of forgiving somebody, like the pain of not holding an offense against somebody else, to, to choose to settle and to keep moving forward. 
Like that, that's the sufferings of Christ. That's the outworking of this movement in the world around us. That bitterness and revenge doesn't get the last word. Actually, forgiveness, restoration, mercy is going to be the thing that continues to see the advancement of Jesus's message, right? So I think that's where all of us are. Most of us who listen to this pod, like we're not in a place where we can be in physical harm's way because of our faith. But I think all of us, the common denominator is that there's certain attributes of the Christian life that afflict us and we're at a crossroad and we have to choose. Do I embrace the suffering or do I throw the whole life to the side and do something else? And what Peter implores us to do is to imagine Jesus suffering and imagine the suffering that we have in our life now or ahead, count the cost, keep moving forward. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you today that we get to join into the very life of Christ. We thank you that means things like mercy and forgiveness and peace with God. We also thank you that it means a new way to live, uh, and we just admit God at times and confess to you that at times uh, this this way of living afflicts us, uh, where we can't no longer keep the score, we can't uh, seek revenge, uh, but we got to be people of peace and mercy and forgiveness. Um, that we have to be people of justice, that we have to uh, speak to the powers of this world uh, when lives are maligned because of the stubbornness of human hearts. And so God, this day, we just reckon with the call of Christ once more. We we hear your teaching when you tell us that uh, we have to count the cost, that we can't put our hands to the plow and look back, but we have to move forward in the kingdom. God, we're going to need your help today uh, because some of the claims of Christ and the call for the kingdom is beyond what we can bear in our own strength. But we thank you for the promise that in our weakness, your power is perfected. So we lean upon your power. We ask for your grace. We pray, Jesus, you be our teacher and teach us the way of life. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.